Welcome to No Time to Waste, the podcast that inspires and motivates us to maximize our moments. I'm your host, Allison Haddon. I'm battling terminal cancer, but I'm focused on living my best life as my best self every day. Join me as I chat with resilient adventurers, seekers, trailblazers, and exceptionally good humans as we explore what it means to live fully because there's no time to waste for all of us. Today on the pod, we've got my new buddy, Matthew McConaughey. Ever heard of him? He's an Academy Award-winning actor, a proud Texan, a philanthropist, a new owner of Austin's MLS team, and most recently, a New York Times bestselling author for his memoir, Greenlights, which I have both read and listened to and highly recommend, especially the audiobook, to anyone because it really is that good. What Matthew and I talked about in our conversation hit deep. We talked about my cancer situation, how I'm doing what I can to make the most of it. We debated over how much fight to bring to life versus how much flow. And we both agree that the only certainty in life is death. So you'd better be out living it. He's one of my new favorite people. But as you'll hear, Sandy Bullock still chops the charts. It's Matthew McConaughey for no time to waste. Welcome, sir. Thank you. And I say, sir, to you as a father, of course, because that's where the title came from, at least in your mind as a child. That's why Yep. talking to you is such a trip and not because of, you know, uh, that mustache or all right, all right, all right. Um, <laughs> or the, you know, the courtroom scene from Time to Kill, mm-hmm. right? Now imagine she's white. That was the line. <laughs> oh, I was just like the best. Yeah. That was just incredible. And also the fact that you were like paired with Sandra Bullock, who there's a whole nother story there. Um, Sandra Bullock was like on my life list uh, to meet, to, to basically meet Sandra Bullock, which seemed so crazy. And I bring this up because your 10 goals that you wrote in the frat house at I think probably 21 Right. Yep. You wrote what I call is a life list. And I wrote my life list when I was 15 and it was very, very specific. And it included things at the time, just like you, I could have never have predicted. Right. But just like you doing your first line, you know, on, on days and confused and two days later, a couple days later writing, win an Academy Award. Like, I believe that's the universe and I want to get into the stuff. We got to talk about faith and the God. And like, I have some questions for you and maybe you could like, you know, like translate or, you know, on behalf of him or her. Um, But (laughs) basically, you know, you getting very specific with some of those life, those life goals. Um, Yeah. And I, and I don't know with your with yours that you wrote down at fifteen. Did you have them around where you looked at them through life? Yeah, I actually wrote them. So I wrote up wrote them down. It ranged from everything from you know, this is my dream car, right? Uh, and to you know, go on safari in South Africa. Um, you know, uh, to start a nonprofit, give a deserving uh, server a hundred dollar tip. 
which I successfully did at a coffee shop on my relocation out to Colorado in 2019 um, to meet Sandra Bullock. But the crazy, the crazy thing is about, I think, writing things down and getting as specific as you did and I did. um, And I continued to add to mine is Mm -hmm. that you can't manifest if you're not specific. Right. Right. And so I got very specific and the, crazy thing is in 2019 in between before I went on my surgery I loved to snowboard went to Jackson for the first time got to ski there uh was sitting at the the handlebar um and who walks in but fucking Sandy Bullock but with her whole Mm -hmm. family and I'm very respectful and uh long story short I did not go up to her because I did not want to interrupt her with her family because I so respected that. And even though it was on the kind of bucket list and I regret that shit every single day. So you have not met her. No, I just have seen her. Andrew, you out there. Listen, you hear this? (laughs) She should know the story. She should know that you want to, you want to really meet her. You didn't. And you regret it. it. Uh, and Lance said, he goes, that shouldn't have been on your bucket list. He's like, that should have been on your fucket list. And I was like, oh. uh, right. Um, but anyway. All right. We're, our only trouble here is going to be keeping this under an hour. Enough about me. Let's talk about let's us. Talk let's talk about, about we. Let's talk about we. Let's get some. Okay. So. The book Greenlights, the reason why this is such a trip, as I as I mentioned, you know, I read Greenlights when it first came out in October because I was like, yes, like I love myself a memoir. Um, and I was like, this is just. Read, what, were you, what was your intention to read? Like when you were you a fan of Matthew McConaughey? Were you a fan? Oh, this book looks good. I like what it's going to be about. I like memoirs. What, what, what was the intent? I think what the driver was, was one, I liked you as an actor, but two, almost equally important, I was like, that guy's my vibe. Like he, we just, he's, he's my people. And if anybody is listening, I love to read. I like, I like reading the words, but if there's one book, if you've never tried to listen to it, it needs to be Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights because- Oh, I enjoyed it. I, I had so much fun. You know, I you know I recorded that in about the audiobook I think is six hours twenty two minutes. Six to eight days to record it. I recorded the whole thing in less than nine hours. It just and I kind of knew where every voice was, where every character was, where every punchline was. And I just got in a you know, sat back and had a had a couple beers and said, let's just make this an album. Let's just write. And I didn't know what I was going to do when I got to the prescribed, to the bumper sticker. So I'd get to them and go, prescribed. And so I was just, I thought I was like, yeah, you're, you're, you're saying hot dogs, coat beer. Oh like, yeah. No, you there. did full. It was a one man. It was a, it was a, it was a one man show. You're so gosh darn likable. You really are. And that draw, like just squeeze every drop of juice as you can out of it. Cause it works. And it's like, you know, I used to do sales training in my early career. Like it's, it's part of your value wedge. It's something that you can offer that nobody else can. So make sure you keep that. It's I, 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 w- I will, as you see, I do other uh, accents without the draw on the book, but I will go. It's been that way probably for yeah, 29 years. I can go someplace and go, are you, I think, are you? And if I go, if I say one word, yeah. then they go, 
there's no debate. No, I know you who you are. And it's just because they hear my voice and they say one word. Um, that always gives me away. Yeah, it's it, it was magical. So thanks for spending uh, a really intense week with me, although super creepy for you because you're like, I don't know you from shit. I was in your ears. Yeah, you were. Yeah, what you were. You know? <laughs> um, all right. So I'm gonna, I, I got to ask some hard questions. Yes. This is it. This is the hard hitting interview that you never expected. Let's do from it. From the terminal cancer patient. <laughs> um, so, you know, you're, you're, and I'm going to pull up some quotes if you don't mind from the book. Um, you know, we all step in shit from time to time, right? We hit roadblocks and I cannot, I was doing this with my partner last night. I was like, I cannot reread his quotes without me falling into his impersonated drawl. So I'm going to try really hard to just like read it straight or not. Fuck it. Or not. We all step in shit from time to time. We hit roadblocks, we fuck up, we get fucked, we get sick, we don't get what we want, we cross thousands of could-have-done-betters and wish that wouldn't have happened in life. Stepping in shit is inevitable, so let's either see it as good luck or figure out how to do it less often. Apologies for the weird impersonation. Um, You know, I didn't step in shit. I'm, like, forcibly being handed a shit sandwich that I have to eat. Um, And right now I'm super grateful because I am maximizing my moments every day and doing the stuff that fills my cup. And I'm helping people through conversations like these. Um, You know, what do you, what's the Matthewism for, for this? You know, I know you've been through, your father's death and I'm sure your own other personal traumas that you've never shared publicly. But what do you say when you're just like, what the fuck, man? Like I've, I've tried to live my life uh, of generosity and, and intensity and giving back and, and I've enjoyed every minute and I've been grateful and like, what the fuck? Right. What the fuck? Yeah, well, that's that's a good good place to start right there. Um, you look, it's not a. Uh, let's go to the end, that last two lines where I said, like, you either see stepping in shit as good luck or learn how to try to do it less often. Yeah. So look, look, look at the situation like you're in. You've got terminal cancer. Well, fuck. Are you going to say this is good luck? No, kiss my ass. Right. Are you gonna, <clears throat> Are you going to say, well, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to change it? No, it's. It's it's a fact. You're gonna go get your your scans. It's terminal. You're it's 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 inevitable, right? Just like you've been saying, death is inevitable. It's inevitable. You have it. When I say in the earlier in the book, when faced with the inevitable, get relative. You're obviously doing that. That's not selling Hallmark card. Hey. I'm 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 gonna make lemonade out of lemons. It's not that bullshit. You're saying no, man. This sucks. What the fuck? All right, that's inevitable. But how are you doing? You're what are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. Are you reseeding? Doesn't seem like it. Are you living less? Are you less turned on? Are you because you're no longer going? Hey, and you 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 were, you were talking about a cause and effect and. Before we step in shit, we, we like to think, hey, my generosity, my gratitude, my focus on life, the life that I'm living is good. I, I got a I got a hunch I'm gonna be rewarded for that. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get 
good graces. I'm going to get gifts from that. Well, whop, you're living that life and then you get this. You're like, what the fuck's with that math? Come on. Well, we got, we realize, I think sometimes that, that we were kind of maybe arrogant and thinking that we were doing it for a reward. We were living a certain way for a reward and we should, we should receive rewards for living a certain way. My guess is that you're going now, if anything, you realize you weren't doing it for, you aren't living that life. Or if you, you're not living a certain life now going, Hey, I'm hoping I get a prize. hoping I get a better prize. If I live this way, you're doing it very selfishly for you. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, are you have you become more selfish? I would say it sounds to me like you have. And I mean, as you see in the book, I'm, I'm a fan of the word selfish. I get it. Those are moments when we understand our times in life, which you're in the existence of understanding it. When we say, oh, shit. So it's all for nothing. I'm here for this little blip. I'm going to be maybe exiting this life a lot sooner than that. Those are the moments where we understand and realize that no it's all for everything yeah. so let's get it on which is hence no what you're saying no time to waste how you're approaching your life yeah i mean you can say oh it's all for nothing so fuck it i don't give a damn i'm gonna go be a tyrant <laughs> uh, that's not being no opposite. truly yeah, selfish. Opposite. you were the opposite way yeah. so why did you do that you got nothing to lose you got not nothing to lose you got you you can cash those checks and 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 and, and, you'll, and you'll they'll still feed, put them in your bank account even if you're being a tyrant or just being a, a, a an anarchist. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah, but so that would not be the selfish move of you, where you've been forced to get extremely selfish to the nth degree, to the most epitome of selfishness. Right. Your 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 mortality is right there in your hand. You're you're realizing it. Yep. Every day. We were talking earlier. Be, I like to say that line, begin with the end in mind. You're turned on in a way right now that most of us, including myself, don't get, aren't turned on into life because our mortality is sort of still out there. It's a mirage. And yours is very freaking clear in 8K. Yeah. And, and you've got a ramp and you're on, you're, 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 you, you, you're you're looking at where are you in this race? How, how far from the finish line are you? But you got your eye on that 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 the end is in, informing your daily living more so than it does for for most of us. No, you're right. You said in the book when we truly latch on to the fact that we're going to die at some point in time, we have more presence in this one. And all I can say is, I have never felt more authentically myself and in line with my purpose. It is a knowing. I feel it in my bones. I am so tuned in right now in like a hyper state yeah. that I have zero doubt I would bet the house on it. And I rarely bet the house. I mean, that's dumb, right? We both know. But if you bet... I would bet the house that everything in my previous 40 years, professionally, my experience, personally, my own adventures, my own spiritual seeking, my own curiosity about myself and the psychology of other human beings that I used to train people on, like everything that I have done and relationships, one-way relationships like I described that I've had with you for the past 
intense seven days are all coming to fruition in the name of helping other people in a way that I believe that only this message on this in this medium facilitated by me mm -hmm. could possibly happen. Like I am so pissed about the price I have to pay for admission, right. but I have found alignment and a purpose-driven life in the way that if I'm honest, I always knew I would find. I just never thought that it would come at this cost. Or, right. or that your hand was going to be forced. Correct. Because I do not like being told what to do. Right. Yeah. I got a condensed, I got a condensed window. And you know what? As I've said before to people, it's very on brand. It's very on brand for me. Like, you think I'm going to like go out like quietly over the next like 40 years? Fuck no. <laughs> I'm going to go no out. Fade out. Right. There's no fade out. I'm going out guns blazing. Former No Time to Waster here, Ethan Zahn, and you do not want to miss today's Active Against Cancer Spotlight segment with Keegan Randall. Hear how her journey through five Olympics has helped her become an Olympic champion, return to elite competition after the birth of her son, and how she crushed cancer. See you soon. Anger and rage get a bad rap. Let's talk about the value of fucking rage. Yeah. How much of you and your vitality of living to go, man, I'm going to serve and I'm eating, I'm, I'm chomping on the nectar daily comes from rage. Cause I would argue, and this, my great mentor, Penny Allen, who's no longer with us, cancer got her. She would always tell me, she was like, no emotion gets more shit done than rage. Totally. So, Let's talk about the talk about the value. How's rage of, of value for you? That 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 you have. I mean, Toby, you have a you have a major resistance. It is clear, as I said, in eight K in front of you, and you deal with it daily, and you go get it checked to see, hey, did it grow or did it stabilize or what? All the time. How much is that? Is being pissed off at that has enlivened you? So, my default state is to rage back to fight to you knock me down seven times i will get down eight it has made me a dependable leader it has yeah. made me a competitive athlete it has made me one of high intensity um that if i'm too intense for you then you're not my people and i'm okay with that but it took me mm -hmm. you know however many years to get here so my default state is to take what is essentially sadness, right? Or resistance to accept what life is putting in front of me that I can't control. And rage and anger is my default state to how I fight back because I'm a fighter. What I have learned in the last year, probably since this whole second wave of shit, is that if I'm always in fight mode, I leave no room for flow. And I, uh -huh. and I believe that at least for me, it is at, in my best interest 
to find some calibration of those of both. It doesn't mean every day it's a 50 50 where I'm just like, you know, I'm just going to meditate and like, whatever. I mean, some days it's a hundred percent. I'm fucking pissed. You know, I have a, an internal drive system that can overpower most anything. And that's really valuable. And that comes right. from anger and rage and being, and I'll show you and a chip on my right. shoulder. And, you know, um, but I also have found that if I'm a hundred percent that every single day, it's not serving me. Without, without the flow. I mean, it's, 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 you know, rage is a high, high frequency. I mean, you're, you're chomping it at every single thing. Yep. Um, and yeah, there's no baseline as we were talking about. It's all like either lightning bolts of treble. And it's like, hey, can you give me one through line here? Can I get a little flow? Can I through the day? Can I connect some dots here? Right. Um, so it doesn't feel like a whole bunch of just, you know, different compartments of, uh, uh, of thinking. Um, so go ahead. You're talking about the balance. You find that if you balance that, now, are they one and the other? Talk about or how are they both? Because what I'm, what I'm hearing you say and do is that, your rage is incentive to get put you in the game. I mean, I, I, I wrote about this. One of the things that was hard about going to write my memoir was I said, oh, I'm going to be embarrassed. Oh, I'm going to feel shame. Oh, I'm going to feel guilt. Oh, I'm going to like cringe at the arrogant little prick I've been in my life at times. And I went back and I felt all those things. And mind you, the embarrassment stuff, I ended up usually laughing at. Shame, I was like, oh, I, okay, yeah. Guilt, I was like, yeah, I forgave you for that or I've forgiven you now. But also that arrogant little prick that I was, I noticed that in my life, every time I was a little Mr. Know-it-all, right. thought my, you know, what didn't stink, right? It, very soon after that, I put myself in a position, unbeknownst to me, to get absolutely humiliated and brought down to earth and humbled. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, there again, I'm, I'm going to see a green light in the arrogant little prick you were. Because if you weren't the arrogant little prick, you wouldn't have the confidence or the false confidence to put yourself in a position to get humbled. So in that way, that false confidence that you go, oh, I don't want to have that, put myself in a position to go, oh, I wouldn't have realized what I realized now if I wouldn't have been the arrogant little prick. In that same way, rage is incentive, is the locomotion that 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 puts you, that every moment by moment is putting you in the ring to go, Come on, I'm I'm not sitting down here. I'm getting back up. Mm-hmm. So it's very useful. It's very useful. Um, I believe my fight, the rage, the anger, it has gotten me here in the sense that it is also the energy that fuels my my fight to live, right? right. And I right. believe it is part of my fight for, you know, to, to make sure that cancer knows like, oh, I'm not going down, <laughs> I'm not going down uh, at least quietly. And, um, and I'm going to do everything I can to fight this thing until I feel and the people that I've, I'm now entrusting to be around me um, beyond my blood and, uh, and my partner and my, my closest, closest friends um, to, to help me understand when it's time to we're going to take it down a notch, you know, we got to accept what's, what's happening in front of me. How do I, how do I find this flow state without losing the fight that's keeping me alive? It's the, it, we, we talk about it in the, in the, in the, in the book. It's, you know, and I, 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 
I meet people that talk about, oh, I'm, 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 I'm spiritual. I'm seeking this Zen state in there and the, but I find that they're not necessarily that involved mm. in, in their life or involved in seeking the right kind of resistance. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a false summit that they, they sit in cause it's not really real. Um, but they're seeking it. And I understand that, but it's a, let me, let me ask you this. You, you talked about, well, I thought I'm interviewing you. You are, but kind. can I ask this? Yeah, yeah. Kind of, kind of a question. You're the boss. I've found, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a goal setter. You talked about your list. You got things every day. You're like, bam, punch it out, knock it out, knock it out. I'm going to take it to the fight. I'm not going to react. But then the flow, when I talk about, like, the let the, let the target draw the arrow, where's that grace where we go? I've got to receive what the world's giving me to be in a flow. I can't be on the front end of everything playing offense all the time. Cause then you don't have any flow. That's that rage. Keep punching. But where do you, where do you have a dance where you go? Oh no, no, no. I'm, I'm making music with my life. I'm, I'm orchestrating. I am the musician in my life, my relationship with my people around me and my goals. I'm, um, it's, it's lateral. It's not vertical. We're dancing through this and I'm not, I'm get, actually getting more done that way. Still have the rage, but I'm getting more done that way. I'm remembering it's meaning more because it's all connected. I, I set a lot of goals and I love them and I love to reach them. But I also, and I found this in writing the book, I thought that 90% of my so-called successes or satisfactions like were going to be goals that I set, engineered and engineered my way to getting them. And by out hustling, I got there. What I was surprised about is a lot of my probably arguably my biggest successes or spiritual awakenings were, were when I just put on my shoes and got the one way ticket <laughs> to who knows where and said, I don't know what it is I'm looking for. I just think I'm, I'm, I'm going to go put myself in a place to find it. Yeah. And it came. And boy, that dog on those truths land on us like a little butterfly and a lightning bolt at the same time. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. So that's that flow of where do we, cause we, yeah. we can't everything. I think signs are around us, but you know, we know those people I've done it before too. When we start looking for the sign and trying to make sign out of everything or think everything's art and trying to make it into art, all of a sudden we're kind of spinning and we're kind of about, about nothing. You got to have some discernment there with what we choose to say is a sign, right? Totally. We're getting to chase our horoscope. Totally. It's a, you know, um, so, you know, you got it thrown on you, a clarity of, oh, I'm, I, the, the signs are clear. I know what my, what my lane is, what my zone is or what, what my. Well, I wouldn't say the, the understanding, you know, headspace. Oh, are you a column guy? We can, we can edit this out. What's a column guy? No, calm. The meditation. I don't, I don't, I don't listen. You don't really? Well, you don't need to because you're just like already. I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're already like, uh, <laughs> Headspace is like a meditation app, but it's like got a lot more, but it's all about mindfulness and meditation, whatever. The, the guy that uh, founded it, his name's Andy Puttycomb. He's the voice on the app. When I had when I interviewed Andy back in the fall and I asked him that question about how do I keep my fight while still finding flow and he had a fantastic answer to this exact question and and talked about it very much as a 
as that kind of like going in and out of both and it's and that it's a both it's not an either or it's not binary right and and the hardest part or or he said you know what i will learn only through experience is when to tune in to that intuition that inner compass that tells you hey hey stand down yeah stand down take it in how about take it in instead of pushing pushing back because he just talked about how if I'm always going up against everything, one, as you mentioned, it's a huge energy suck, right? Yeah. And just like, you know, time is our most precious commodity, um, you know, energy is going to take the ability for us to maximize our moments away, right? So it, it is yeah. it is just as important. But he was like, if you are always pushing up, against sometimes sometimes what's just foam blocks other times might be concrete blocks right he's just like that's not going to be helpful for anybody and he just said the the work will be in you getting more in tune inside with when you need to move back with that wave yeah. And when you need to move forward and push, yeah. but he's East West. right. And, uh, and it's the reason why, like on my Instagram, I have now fight and flow versus terminal yep. cancer. Right. Instead of, or, or, but yeah, I just have, can I, can I switch gears and ask you a question? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, you have been very public about your faith. And uh, I always have so much respect for anybody that has a really strong faith, be it organized religion or not, um, because there's just a commonality in those people. Your faith, what's your, could you communicate on behalf of God and please let me know what God says about this bullshit sandwich the yeah. I'm being forced to eat. Like what's, what's the explanation? Yeah. What, what's the explanation? And yeah. remember you're representing all Christians everywhere. And also you are God's agent currently. So just like choose your words. Um, we'll make sure, we'll make sure variety picks us up. Um, oh, but, right. but you know, what do you think the, uh, how do you explain when, when good things happen, when good things happen to bad people? When bad things happen to good people. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> hell, heaven, heaven, hell, I don't know. I mean, if we think, I mean, I think of, I don't think it's over when we leave this life. Me too. Do I believe, do I know there's a heaven waiting? No, no, hell no, I don't know. Heaven, no, I don't know. I don't know any of this stuff. That's why it's called belief not a conclusion. Um, and we do. It's There's no way it's over. <laughs> there's just no way it's over. Even if if you don't believe that there's another place our, we go or our spirit goes, what we leave behind still outlives us. And then it gets passed down through story and children and deeds and, 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 and things we do in life. We live, we, we are... You, we're creating an immortality every day for ourselves. Now that 
if anything, for me, it, it just at least goes, well, it's not about explaining why a bad thing happens to a good person. And that's, 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 that's small thinking. That's small potatoes. It's like, this is part of the, this is, this is my segment of this little journey in the hands of time that have been going on billions of years before me and will go on so much, so much further after me. And this is the, the, you know, I, I find it interesting with the concept of, oh, we have the lessons we have to learn and we have to keep coming back to learn them. Are we, are you going through, are you learning some lessons right now that, that you didn't, that you are maybe even back here to learn, to teach, to, 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 to uh, turn other people on to as well. Um, is it, 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 do, do I believe that there is a definite hell, a heaven and a purgatory? Man, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know all about that. I, I, um, but you got to believe there's something after like how I just how, I, I don't know I'm on board with that I don't just don't know what it is well we and we're not gonna know no. what it is I, is there an uncall I believe there's definitely I mean there's an added up science is the practical pursuit of God or the prime mover or the way maker now we go in that old thing about we were just talking about hey how much do we self-determine and how much is it fate I'm not sure. It seems like they're running right. You know, every time something happens to us, how immediately we, we go, we slip into the fate side and go, oh, this was written. Because hmm. I like to say, like, everything from this moment back is a science. You're going to connect the dots all the way to this point in your life. But yet, each when they happen, you're like, what the fuck? Why me? What's this going on? How does this make sense? Well, you can look back and you can connect all your dots to how you got here. Everything going forward is an absolute mystery. So how much has it been written? <laughs> and as the fatalist would look at and go, oh, this is my, that been written. But how much are we writing it? Right. That, that's that dance. Just we we're talking about rage and flow. Right. Self-determination and fate. Fate is a fact in waiting anyway, as it, bam, just happened. So it's already a fact. We can look back and go, that's a science how I got here. Going forward is a mystery. I, I don't, I, I, I think it's, to say, to use the words like bad things happen to good people. It's very, or pain that's very black and white. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, it's sort of, those are mortal words. Um, in the immortality and in the infinite that I believe that it's, it's not over and we go on living from here, whether that's an existence in another time and place or whether that's through what we leave behind mm. and the people that we, that, that we still live with. Uh, and that keep our spirit alive or what we taught them or what they learned from us or what they taught us. Mm. Um, we're never dying. There's not, there's not a, it's not, we never die. So in re when I realized that and I go, man, I, be I, I believe that in here, not intellectually, I believe that. I would say that when I go through great pain or go through those questions of what, why me, why this time? to whatever extent I have and not to the extent that you are in right now, well then being involved in whatever the situation is, it doesn't become a, as a, a woe be me. It doesn't become a recession. It doesn't become about why would this happen to me? No, it's happening. Mm -hmm. It's the hand that's dealt and it's the car. It's the hand I'm playing. So shit, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to play it. It's an arrogant thing for us mortals to start to go like, wait, I'm going to question you. God, if I believe in you, why would this happen? It's like, again, 
get when faced with the inevitable getting relative it's like well that's not my question to ask mm-hmm. it, it's it's happening it's live so what am i gonna do let's let's get it let's get it on if this whole thing's a game mm-hmm. if this whole thing's even a dream that some people say mm-hmm. well great okay so let's dream in it and let's who are we gonna play in it and if it's all a game well let's fucking play it totally i mean the alternative just sucks agreed the the alternative is it has no ROI. The alternative has no residuals for us. The alternative is not respecting ourselves. The alternative is not giving some credence where we should give credence. It's more fun too. Let's just go on that level. That's just that's, responsibility. It's more fun. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm with you when people are like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe you're you're devoting all of your time to this and blah blah. And I'm like, what the fuck else am I gonna do? Be a cancer patient and wait around to die? I'm not doing that. I was like, if I can leave a stamp on the world that has an impact that helps people, like little old me, like that's what I'm doing. And you know what? I'm gonna put all my not anger, but I'm going to take all my drive and all my grit and all my resilience and all the things that made me successful in business for 20 years. And I'm going to put it into this and right. we're going for broke. And I am right. going to make no apologies. Amen. Hey, if you're a fan of the pod, do me a solid. Just drop a one sentence review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it now. Um, It really helps introduce the podcast to new people. And for more motivation or to contact the show, head to notimetowasteproject.com or follow us on Instagram at notimetowasteproject. All right, so let's uh, let's dig right in. Uh, so, Keekin, welcome to the Active Against Cancer podcast. It is wonderful to see your face again. So good to see you too. I love your energy. Oh well, thank you. I would just love um, for everyone to. I mean, your athletic background and your achievements are incredible. So, I'd love if you were to just share some of your uh, your athletic background and let people know why you're so good at what you do. <laughs> well, I grew up in Alaska, which is a big outdoor playground. I grew up in a really outdoorsy, active family, played a ton of sports growing up, had an Olympic dream from very early on because my aunt and uncle went to the Olympics. Around the age of 16, settled on cross-country skiing because I liked the way it combined like all parts of my body, endurance, strength, and I was intrigued that no American woman had ever medaled in cross-country in the Olympics. So that set me on a uh, 20-year journey and culminated with my fifth Olympics, 2018, Ended up winning a gold medal with my teammate, uh, who was nine years younger, Jesse Diggins. We won America's first ever gold medal, first ever women's medal. And it capped this amazing 20-year career of just traveling the world as a cross-country skier. Wow. I mean, absolutely incredible. Uh, so as an athlete, um, you know, prior to your you know, what happened to you with cancer, and we'll get to that in a second, but did you have any like major injuries or major, you know, uh, challenges in your athletic career prior to going through cancer? Yeah, which looking back, I'm actually, you know, pretty grateful. I had a few things to kind of get me ready. In high school, um, I had an eight month period where I broke my collarbone right at the start of cross country running season. So spent a lot of the season on an exercise bike trying to like, you know, work my way back, staying, staying mentally cool. Um, Then eight months later, I was doing a fun cross country ski race that involved a lot of fast downhills and I broke my back. What? Um, I compressed four vertebrae in my uh, mid-back. So 
that was a week into track season. So there I was freaking back on the uh, exercise bike again. Um, but each time I ended up coming back and winning a state championship kind of unexpectedly. And so through those experiences, I learned like, you got to take advantage of what you can control. You got to block out what you can't. You got to believe that things will be better and just do what you can do every day. And you're surprised how sometimes that unlocks in a whole new level you didn't even know you had. So then I had a good period for a while where I was pretty good. And then in 2008, um, I ended up developing a huge blood clot in my leg. And so I had to uh, go into the hospital. Um, they had, had to do a radiology procedure where they put a catheter behind my knee and, and holy busted up the clot. And I was in the um, ICU for a while. And it almost ended my ability to be an athlete because wow. my clot was so large. If it had stayed as scar tissue, I, I wouldn't have been able to continue competing. But thankfully, I got the right medical care and bouncing back from that, it gave me a lot of motivation. Um, and about eight months later, I won, a, won this, my first world championship medal. So it's just like every story, it's crazy how at the time it felt like the worst, yeah. you know, unfair. How could this happen? You know, how am I ever going to make it back? But yet using the mental tools to keep myself focused and positive and the right people around me. I ended up having like this amazing outcome, like every single time. And that really set me up for facing cancer. Wow. I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, getting the news uh, that you got had cancer. Well, the, the craziest part of it was just the timing. Um, I had won the Olympic gold medal in February um, you know, the, the, I knew I was going to be wrapping up my ski career. So it was like the ending the on the highest of high notes, you know, was still like floating off the ground. Um, we had also decided that, you know, I was retiring and we were going to move from Alaska down to British Columbia to follow my husband's job. So we we're making this big move and shift. And um, it was Mother's Day and we had just gotten to our new spot and we went out for this hike. My son was just turned two. We went out for this hike and like these big yellow flowers were everywhere and the sun was warm. And I just was like, I am, I can't believe how well things are going. This is amazing. And it was that night getting ready for bed that I just happened to like get out of the shower and brush past a hard spot on my chest that was about the size of a pea. Would have been super easy to miss. Right. But I just went, huh, I don't remember that. That's weird. And just had kind of this feeling like, okay, I better get that checked. And it took almost three weeks to get diagnosed. Um, and the whole time I'm like, I'm fine. I'm young. Like this isn't going to be anything. And I was actually on the way to my friend's wedding in Sweden when I got the call that the scan that led to the biopsy had revealed it was aggressive breast cancer. And then quickly we had discovered it and traveled to a lymph node. And it just went from like being this strong, invincible athlete, you know, being in this like supreme content point in life and now having all that just threatened in an instant. You mentioned a couple of times earlier, just the, the mental side of things, right? So as an athlete, we know it's physical and it's mental and probably some other things that we don't know. So mentally, what did each of your injuries you know, do to you and especially the cancer injury, I'm going to call it? Yeah. Well, so, you know, for those who've had cancer, they know that like the moment you hear the words, it spins your mind in this um, just crazy vortex of emotions. But it was amazing how literally within seconds that that athlete frame of mind just instinctively kicked in. And it was like, okay, this is reality. What, what am I going to do about it? You know, what, what can I do? And so, and just like, um, thankfully part of my, what I've learned from athletics is to always 
put good people around you. So I was fortunate that right away I had good people around me that as we're processing this news, it was, well, we caught it early. The prognosis is good. There's good treatments. You know, we were able to just kind of focus on those things. And I, I think that mental rehearsery of being able to like get hit with something and instead of the first reaction just like melting you to the ground, you just kind of catch that thought almost like in a baseball glove and you look at it and you go, okay, what are we going to do with it? It's not to say I didn't struggle later on with all the emotions and the fear and the discomfort and everything that comes along with it. But I just, I was so glad to have that framework already kind of set. Um, and then to be able to use the power of the mind to just keep you in the moment. And, and then that led me through days that built to weeks to build me through the end of treatment. You talk about having like, you know, um, a good attitude and the whole uh, dive or thrive concept. Can you tell me a little bit more of how you kind of came up with that terminology? I love it, first of all. And I just think the dive or thrive thing is, is perfect. Well, maybe it's my, my background as a cross-country skier of recognizing um, life is kind of like a cross-country ski race. There's, you know, the definition is one-third flat, one-third uphill, and one-third downhill. And I, I really equated cr- going through cancer treatment to feeling like you're on this big climb. And you know, as you start to go up the climb, you know, all the, the signals are going off in your head saying like, this is too hard. You can't do it. You know, turn around and go back down. But you're at that point, you can kind of decide, well, am I going to go back down and then have to like live with that feeling of knowing that I've kind of given up? Or am I just going to keep taking one step at a time? And you, it's like you have your head down, you're taking those steps and you get to the top of the hill. And all of a sudden, it's like the sun rises before you. And you're just like, whoa, the view up here, it's amazing. Like, I had no idea. I just had my head down. And then you get to enjoy the exhilaration of the downhill on the other side. Um, and and so that's, that's both a physical thing and a mental thing. Um, so we all need the right reminders around us when we're at that point. Because mm. it doesn't matter how mentally tough you are, how much you practice, we all face those points when we can either go down or we can continue to take that next step up, you know, to lean into the discomfort or to turn around. And so I think reminding ourselves that it's just one step, mm. one step forward, and then another, and then another, and that I'm going to remind myself that the top is going to be worth it. Mm. So do you have any like tips or, or advice for those who may want to start exercising or just recently diagnosed uh, that you could share with us? I really think that 10 minute rule um, helps a lot. And it's pretty universal because I think we can all get out and do 10 minutes. Um, and then that 10 minutes may be that little victory for you that day. And I think if you think about it as like what you've done, you don't want to increase a lot because there's a lot of stress on your body from the treatment. Mm-hmm. But any little thing that you can control and can can do um, I think gives you, um, I mean, it helps your body, but it also just gives you that little boost in the mind of like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing good things. So start small, you know, they didn't build the pyramids overnight. Um, it's amazing how those little pieces day after day add up, uh, having gotten involved with active before my diagnosis, it just made me that much more committed to staying active during my treatment. And now that I've lived through it and, and seen the benefit it has and seeing the, the fact that we just need to continue to advocate more. Um, because in, in the medical world, they're just they're still not talking about it as much as they should. And we need to put good role models out there. And so it's just been a really cool way to meld my platforms of being an athlete and being a mom and being someone in a physical activity. And 
Um, so I just, I hope we can keep advancing the advocacy and the research and everything forward. If you'd like to support Active Against Cancer's initiative with Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center and help cancer patients stay active through treatment with virtual fitness programs, check out activeagainstcancer.com backslash podcast. That's A-K-T-I-V against cancer.com backslash podcast to learn more and donate online. Just be sure to put in no time to waste in the comment box. So get out there and maximize your moments and keep crushing it. See you next time.